Shane Willis. It is episode 191 of the Canes cast, and a new season is upon us. It is Christmas Eve, ladies and gentlemen. It's go time. I almost feel like I should be playing Christmas music right now instead of the beloved Canes cast open. It is Christmas Eve, though. It's going to be exciting. It's a big day tomorrow. Back in the Metro, the Islanders and Barry Trotch in town. We know how they play, but excitement around this Carolina Hurricanes team and what their focus is and what they can do. I'm also going to be excited because people will be in the building, capacity crowd, things sort of slightly getting back to normal. Still do your part, people. If the ushers ask you to wear a mask, wear a mask. But you know when you don't have to wear a mask? When you're drinking a storm brew. Or shotgunning one. I would recommend both. <laughs> uh, proud sponsor of Kane's Cast, Storm Brew from R&D Brewing. All you have to do is come to the arena on game day. $5 for a 16-ounce Storm Brew. It is refreshing. No matter how you sip or shotgun, it gets the job done. The way that we are anticipating the Carolina Hurricanes to do this upcoming season, Shane Willis. And like you said, the Islanders and Barry Trotz coming to town. And I don't know if we want to get... All, you know, hockey 101 and X's and O's. But is there any other team in the NHL where it's more important to get the first goal against than the New York Islanders and the way that they play? And basically every Barry Trotz coach team ever where you've got to get them out of their system, out of what they do defensively and make them open up the game a little bit because if they score first, shut her down, boys, because they don't mind winning one nothing. Well, and I think that's why this is such a great matchup to start the season. Everyone's already talking. It's Islanders and Hurricanes. It's the Metro Division. Who wins the Metro out of these two teams? But it's something we hear from Rod Brindamore as well all the time. And you have to have, I was thinking about this this morning, when you think about these star players, and you have to have that hockey IQ, the high skill, and that ability to do things that are special on the ice. But what great coaches do is they get these players with this skill to have so much attention to detail. And both Rod and Barry Trotz do that with their system because they know how important it is in those details that when you're doing it right each and every time, the systems are so good that it makes it so hard to score against and it makes the life of your goaltender so much easier. You do need key saves at key times. But to me, that's the number one thing we're going to stress going into night one is the attention to detail and who does it better in that game. I mean, this is going to be about the excitement of opening night here for the majority of of this podcast. But I need to ask you, because you came up and played in the dead puck era where New Jersey was allowed to literally choke the life out of the game with their neutral zone trap. And then the Red Wings ran the left wing lock and all of these these defensive systems where, you know, you'd get a high scoring game here and there, but, you know, it was if you got three goals, if you averaged three goals a night as a team, you were going to be one of the highest scoring teams in the league. A far cry from what the eighties were in in the hockey we were used to. The game has opened up more. It's certainly faster. So why does it feel that it's still this defensive minded game that it is not more slanted for goal scoring and goal scorers? Because uh, all due respect to the players who play today, go back to the eighties and you take a look at the players that were out there when you had those Oiler teams, and you had Montreal that could light up the lamp, and Philadelphia were bigger than everybody, but they could score. You had all these scores everywhere. I don't know if you have as many teams filled with scores, but you have as many great players. I mean, you look at what the Oilers have with uh, a guy named Connor McDavid. He's pretty good at hockey. And Leon Dreisaitl. I mean, one and two when it seems in the Hart Trophy, Kennedy. Goal scores everywhere, but it seems that it's just as hard to score goals. Can you put your finger as to, to why that's happened? I mean, I thought we would have gone back to it's more offensive hockey now. I'm going to go with two reasons. One, and I'm going to focus on the Carolina Hurricanes, the way they play defensively, how much they're up the ice and in your face. They take away that time and space. As you mentioned, the teams of old would sit back and wait for you. Now, teams realize, and Rod Brindamore realizes, that if you give the high skill players that you were just talking about that much space, that is when you're going to get beat. The other big reason, Mike, and I don't do this very often and giving credit to the defensemen, but because they are so much better, and to me, and you can agree, you can take it or send it right back, that the NHL defensemen of today are much better skaters than back in the day. The defensemen back in the day were big, and they were strong, and they could grab you. 
And that's why they were allowed to give you the cushion. They had to give you cushion number one to protect themselves because they couldn't move like the guys can today. But you take a guy like Jacob Slavin and his size, not only can he go straight line backwards, but when he runs a crossover, and you watch all great defensemen, Jacob Slavin can do one crossover and almost be on the other side of the ice taking away those lanes. So that's another huge factor to me is how well the defensemen in today's game move, skate, and are mobile as you're coming at them. Yeah, and that's part of it. Goalies, too. Goalies are far more athletic. Uh, the equipment is far better than at any time when uh, a guy had to step in front of a 100-mile-an-hour shot and try to make a save. So I get those two things. I just kind of figured because the offensive end of the game is certainly there. And also block shots. And I think that kind of goes along the lines of equipment being a little bit better. It still hurts to block a shot. I'm going to uh, go 100% and take your word for that because I think I did see you had a block shot in your career. I don't know if it was true. Well, I, think I mean, you're credited with one. I might so. have had a family member in the press box so. that night. I mean, I might have taken one uh, accidentally. But you mentioned about the equipment getting better. But go back to the go back to the offense then. Uh, I have one of the new sticks the guys use now. And I say to everybody when I shoot, I'm like, this is like cheating. I mean, we had wood sticks. <laughs> the way you can shoot with these sticks now is unbelievable how hard you can let it go. Not only how hard, but how easy it is to make it come off quick and hard. You barely make a move, and this thing just fires off that blade. So, I mean, again, there's so many different reasons, but to me it's about the way the guys skate and the taking away time and space. And really what the game comes down to is who makes more mistakes that you can capitalize on. Yep. Who gets away from their game where you can find a hole and then go back to the big asterisks is which power play does a better job? Yeah. How do specialty teams? You always look at that at the end of the night. Okay, if you won 3-2, were you tied in power plays? Or if you won 3-2, you likely at least were one ahead of the other team. So it's going to be a big factor again this year. And we, we saw it a little bit on night one in the uh, two big games on Tuesday night between the defending cup champs in Tampa and Pittsburgh and then out to Vegas to see the Seattle Kraken um, take their first game. Yeah, and it is funnier. The, the second game seemed to be better played than the first game. Tampa looked like they just got off the parade route. I mean, they really looked flat, and it is acceptable. I was going to say acceptable, but there's a lot of people are going to go with the Stanley Cup hangover thing, and and yes, that is a thing. I'm not going to say that that's kind of you know a myth. There is something to it. They've won two in a row, but you've been there both sides. You know, when a team raises a banner, and and when you've got to sit there and you're watching the other team raise the banner, or you're in the locker room waiting for them to do it. I always think it's an advantage. For the team, the visiting team, because the home team's got to sit there, and you got to sit there, and you got to sit there, and now you got to go play, and you're you're thinking about, oh yeah, that was pretty cool last year, right? Oh wait, we got a game to play right now. Yeah, I'm gonna say that is the easiest game of the year for the Pittsburgh Penguins to win, because Tampa comes on the ice, as you said, they go through all the hoopla, the videos, the announcing, they raise the banner, they all stand there, and I thought Ray Ferraro did a good job explaining how. Now their hype is now back on top of the mound. They're like, yeah, we're big, we're bad. Then all the music and the lights come on, the music drops off, the crowd goes quiet, and they go back down too low, almost like a sugar high. They spike and then come back down. Pittsburgh is sitting at the gate just chomping. And you know the veterans, a guy like Jeff Carter, is firing the boys up. Let's ruin this party. Let's ruin this party. And you were all juiced up, and you hit the ice in full stride, which the Penguins did. Yep. And I think at that point, Tampa was just like, uh, we don't really have it going tonight. And they're such a veteran team. They know how to win. They are not worried about last night. I'm sure John Cooper was upset. But the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be perfectly fine moving forward. Yeah, I don't think that we have to worry about them being a playoff team. But it is weird that when you go through these games, you have these ceremonies. How often now it's the visiting team that, oh, they ruined that night. Well, what you just said. I'm sitting there waiting for this. We're going to hit the ice ready to go. Meanwhile, the home team, the emotions are going up and down after those games. The best part about being on the road, especially in a building that is sold out and everyone's energized as we're so big and bad, is going out and absolutely sticking it to them. I mean, that is your mindset. Let's wreck this party. We'll have a good laugh, get out of this rink, move on to our next destination, and they'll just eat a little crow, as you may say as the Penguins roll out. All right, so let's get a look at opening night where the Islanders roll into town. I don't want to make this game any bigger than what it is, but 
I think these are the two best teams in the Metro. I think that the winner of the Metro division is playing in this game uh, on Thursday or today or yesterday, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. That's my belief. I think these are the two best teams in the division. No slight in anybody else. That's just the way it goes. So what you've just said, you know, the Isles want to roll in here. Let's ruin their home opener. The Islanders are going to be on the road for what? 13 games, I think, before yes. their new building is done. So they're going to be road warriors. I go back to it. If you're the home team in these games, how big is that first goal to keep the juice going? And as walk me through a home opener, Shane, for the guys who are here, for a guy who's been here like a Sebastian Ajo versus a new guy who wants to fit in and make an impression like Jesperi Kokaniemi. Like what are the what are the differences in the hype, the the emotion, you know, butterflies? Do you have them? Do you not have them hitting the ice for your first home opener of the year? Well, as a veteran guy, and you mentioned Sebastian Ajo, I could go to Jordan Stahl, and obviously the building is going to be rocking. Um, the great crew here is going to put on a show for their fans and eighteen thousand to really get this loud building rumbling. Yeah. As a veteran guy, you just want to get on the ice and play. Sebastian Ajo, Jordan Stahl, yes, they love the noise, but they do not want to have all the announcements in the hoopla. They just want to get out and go. Yeah. Now, yes, Barry coming in, I think he's going to utilize that noise and that kind of thing to energize himself and really get him going. Go all the way down now to Stephen Lorenz and Seth Jarvis. This is a night that these two will never forget, number one, and that they can use all the noise, all the energy, their name being announced by Wade Minter to escalate their game. Because you know Rod does not want to sit on that bench for any longer than he has to for that puck to be in that ref's hand. He wants it to drop. He wants a face-off win and that puck to be chipped in deep and let the forecheck fly. Jordan Martin getting physical early. All of those things can build off your opening night. But if it lasts too long, and goes stale, it can completely affect the home team in a very negative way. Yeah. Uh, one point of housekeeping. Steven Lorenz, which is what he was known by last year and as he came up in hockey, told us, and some people have caught it on a, a video on, on Kane's Vision, go to carolinahurricanes.com or hurricanes.com where you can see it, and he said his, his last name is Lawrence. Like, that's how his parents pronounced it. So... We are going to go with that pronunciation. Oh, this is the official change. This is the official change. Lawrence. He's Lawrence. So he said that's how his parents called it. We asked him, what do you want? He said he doesn't care. Now, for people who don't have like a hockey history, if you're new to the game and you're going to wonder, well, why was he called Lawrence? There was a hockey player for a long time and a broadcaster named Jim Lawrence, and that was just kind of the accepted, oh, that's the the pronunciation same spelling by the way not related yeah i'm going off the spelling i would say lorenz yeah. all day long but uh jim lorenz was a canadian as is uh steven but steven said his parents said lawrence so uh if you've seen the movie coming to america and i know you have shane willis i sure the have. barbershop scene I sure have. when they were talking about and uh, the line is his mama calls him that's what i'm gonna call him so if that's mom calls call him. Him, mom calls him lawrence if dad calls him lawrence we're going to call him Lawrence. It's Stephen Lawrence. So it starts here. I apologize, Stephen. Last, last no, no, time no, I'll you say don't, he, I didn't he, even know. He's fine with it, Shane. That's well, the whole thing. I mean, Stephen just loves life. I mean, oh he loves gosh. coming in here. He, I think he literally said, you could call me anything. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, every young kid should have that motto. They should. I mean, you're in the National Hockey League. Yeah, you can call me Stu, Steve, whatever. Yes, I'm here. That's all that matters. Thank you. And he, uh, he has, by the way, really, for me, I love the stories like... Stephen Lawrence, who this is a guy who doesn't get drafted his first time drafted. Then, you know, the Canes take the flyer on him, what, seventh-round pick, and he's made himself into a player. And not only that, he's made himself into a player in the locker room that the veterans love having around in the locker room because there's the the term, he gets it, he gets it. So a few other young guys, though, now. Some pressure goes on him. So opening night, Shane, did you put pressure on yourself? Be like, man, I got to get going. I got to. I got to get one here. I got to get. I got to get on the board. You know, a goal is great. Give me a marker, but you know, give me an apple. Give me, you know, let me be on a power play unit that scores a goal. I got. I got to have something positive here on game number one. Is this the game that you put the most pressure on yourself, or is this the game as a player? You're like, ah, it's the first game. 
We got 81 more after this. Where's the the internal drive to I need to I need to show up on the stat sheet here. Yeah, I think every offensive player will tell you that they want to score not only in the first game but early in the first game. I used to have the mindset going in and if I could get on the board early, it changes the dynamic of the entire night. When you get out there and maybe you have a couple not really negative shifts, but a couple of bad bounces, not feeling it real well. That's when things start creeping into your head going like, oh, this is going to be a tough one tonight. So scoring early to me is extremely important. I was nervous going into night one um, and definitely want to get on the scoreboard, but I also looked to my left to the center ice position and saw future Hall of Famer Ron Francis and then looked further across the ice and saw the speedster Sammy Kapanen. So I felt pretty confident <laughs> That as long as I got a piece of something, we I was going to get a point that night, um, and I did. It was a great opening night, and again, every player remembers their first opening night or their 15th opening night, no matter what it is, because it is special to step onto the ice and hear that roar when your name is announced. Every player still remembers it, and every player will still love it in a different way each and every year. So we get to the game. What do you need to see from the Carolina Hurricanes? What do you expect to see from this group? Because, again, there are nine, ten new faces in that locker room from a team that has made the playoffs for three straight years. Everything we've documented, there have been some changes to this lineup. There are changes for Rod Brindamore with how he will run some lines and combinations. I don't think we're going to see many changes to how the special teams are run other than a couple of different personnel. No reason to change something that I think was second and third as far as power play and penalty kill goes last year. But what do you need to see? Again, against an Islander team, Shane, that is perfectly comfortable going, yeah, we're here to win this game 2-1 to one and try to make us play different. How do you, how do you attack that? What do you want to see? Well, I think what we know we're going to see, Mike, is the speed and hustle that Rod Burnamore demands on a daily basis from his hockey team. So we know that's going to happen. The speed and when there is turnovers or they're coming back, you're going to see that hustle um, coming back to help the defensive pair. What I really want to see from this team is, as you just mentioned, the New York Islanders, almost very similar to the Carolina Hurricanes. The attention to detail to continue to play your game no matter what. There's no reason four minutes, five minutes, six minutes into this game, and you haven't scored yet to try something that's totally outside the realm of the style your head coach wants you to do. Attention to detail to me is going to be so important and watching what players do with the puck when they have nothing. Where do you put that puck? Hold on to it, that puck possession. Not having those key turnovers in key places to me is what will help where I see the biggest change on this team in the defensive unit with three new guys in the lineup because we know how aggressive they're called to be. So those turnovers early when these new guys and new faces are coming up the ice doing what they're supposed to do will only cause havoc going, what are we doing? We shouldn't be up here. This Is this right? You know, you start second-guessing things. So that's that's really what I want to see is that game plan of red line in and let the forecheck, which we've seen for the past three years, continue to grow and dominate in the offensive zone. Whether they score or not, stay the course. All right, Freddie Anderson's going to get the start. That's been announced. So he's going to get the opening night. No nod. secrets around here, people. No. I, <laughs> why Why have him? I'm a big believer. This is what we do. Come come get us. We don't, we don't have to change anything. By the way, the Hurricanes are playing the island of secrets. The way that Lou Lamorello has been running contracts in and out, I'm pretty sure Mike Bossy is signed for. They're going to announce that at puck drop <laughs> as he comes over the boards. Denny Potvin is also coming back for a shift. Uh, they won't announce it till they have to. Uh, and by the way, I'm I'm totally cool with that. That's Lou's prerogative. I like things that kind of spice up the league and people do hand-wringing over. You're like, it's fun. Who cares? If, if he's allowed to not announce things, then why do it? And that's the way he wants to play. But Freddie Anderson now has an opportunity to, I don't want to say silence some critics, but... If you look at his numbers in Toronto in the regular season, I, I think we all know Frederick Anderson this year is going to be really judged on what happens when we get to April, May, June, Shane. Like that's that's really I think the thing that people will look at. But for a goalie, we all know there are different species. 
they they operate in their own realm. But for a goalie with a new team, with a new system in front of him or new players, is this an odd night? Like, were you a guy when you knew that you were facing a, a goalie on a new team for the first time? You're like, oh, we can take advantage of, of things on him? Or is a goalie just on a whole different plane? Because you know what he is. You, you there's It's not like he's a rookie and you're trying to figure it out. What What's going through his mind for this game coming up? Well, <clears throat> as you mentioned, goalies are... A different animal. Yes. Um, as a player, I tried to stay away from the goalies. <laughs> yeah. You know, your starting goalie in morning skate is the most important guy on the ice. We're out there just getting a little sweat on, making sure our hands feel unbelievable. You don't ever want to buzz the tower on your starting goaltender. I mean, you want to shoot it right into his pad, right into his blocker. Right into, make sure he is feeling like he's a brick wall. But again, Freddie Anderson has been around for a long time. Yep. He's going to be hyper-focused on coming out. Now, the one area that players have to be careful, even a guy like Jesperi Kokaniemi, don't overthink that. You are here for a reason, and because this team believes you and you want you here, yep. make the saves that you know you can make. Because if you go out there with a little bit too much juice, you know things may go bad. You might get a bad bounce. But I think that's the other part that you look at Freddie Anderson is really how calm he is. Yep. Because if a goal does go in, you don't see a demeanor change in him. So I think the refocus for him is something for our fans to really watch this season. And again, look back at last season, you talked about his numbers. The amount of shots that Toronto gives up in a game will not be what this Carolina Hurricanes team gives up. He will, to me, relish and thrive behind a five-man unit in front of him that works as hard and takes away as much shot opportunities as this team will do for him. Do you expect a crisp game, or is opening night kind of a little all over the place? You know, it's been a while since the majority of these guys have played a game that meant anything, and yes, I am disrespecting the preseason by saying that, but let's face it, as a veteran, it's like, let's just get to time opening to go. night. It's opening night. So what kind of games do you expect to see? Because like I said, let's go back to the other night. You know, Tampa and Pittsburgh was not a well-played game, in particular by Tampa. And then Seattle and Vegas, the, that game, it looked like Vegas was just going to absolutely run away with it, but it turned into a really good hockey game. It, it turned into where the mistakes settled down, a really crisp-played game. So is the the first game of the year, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's still a work in progress, or do you expect because we finally get to play something that means something? There's a little bit more of an edge to a game like this. Well, I think if you see a start that looks a little bit sloppy is because the players are too juiced, right? You're a little bit too much out over your toes. Yeah. And that's another key part when you're watching the start of this game. Are the passes crisp and on the tape and the execution from zone to zone look you know, like they should and in tune? Because that's when you're going to know a team's in sync and you're like, all right, here we go. Let's settle into this game. And I think that's the big word you'll hear coaches use on opening night. Let's try and settle in. Settle into the game. You're not going to win the game in the first five minutes. But being able to settle in and get into your patterns, get all four lines and all six defensemen involved in the game. Everyone always talks about a power play early in a game. Hated it. It was one of the worst things to be sitting on the bench and your first shift being a power play. You're not settled into the game at all, and you're going out there. Now you have all the time in the world they're just running and gunning, pressuring because the PK has a little bit of an easier job. You fumble around. That could destroy your whole first period. But settling into the game, yep. seeing the motion, seeing those passes, and the patterns players are running to make sure their minds are on and their minds are settled into the game. If they're still outside the glass and in the crowd and in the noise, it could be a little shaky. To me, Tampa came out flat. They weren't into anything and were just flat off the start. As you mentioned, the Vegas game, they were on point. Vegas, the first 10 minutes, I was like, wow, this could be an eight spot, the way they were going. Yep. And give credit to the Kraken for not going away, which we should know by now in the NHL, no team goes away. Anyone can win at any moment, no matter what the score is. And I, this Carolina Hurricanes team showed this numerous times yep. last year. Down, never out. So that's the big thing, I think, to look for is settling in, 
and the poise early on. Uh, you brought up an interesting point, though, about penalties early. Do you think we're going to see a ton of penalties with this? By the way, I love how we're saying uh, the crackdown on cross-checking. It's always been a rule. It I have really no, has. I, I have no idea why all of a sudden now, uh, after guys are getting, I don't know, ribs broken with these sticks that Shane was talking about and uh, organs being punctured, that's never a good thing. Maybe now we've decided to do it. But do you think that we're going to go through, in particular, opening night, and, and I, I ask you this, opening night we're going to see a ton of calls and we lay it down now, or opening night it's a different animal. We're not going to make a lot of calls in opening night. We're not going to have a special teams fest in game number one for everybody. You'll see that down the road in like games you know three through seven where you'll get a whole bunch of power plays because of the new initiative to call a rule that's, I think, been in the book since the dawn of time. Well, who's refing? <laughs> <laughs> no, I I have the utmost respect for all the officials in the National Hockey League, and I believe Rod Brindamore says it best when he says they have the hardest job in the world. Um, I think they will be watching, but I think it's something the players know, right? All the meetings the officials go through, those videos are shown to the players to prepare. Hey, this is being watched all season. And if you do this, it's getting called. So it's not going to be a surprise. So coming out and playing hard, physical, has to be the mindset of the Carolina Hurricanes. But you have to play smart. We know how disciplined the Carolina Hurricanes are. And if they can play that way and be on the power play, as we've seen through training camp, and in the preseason, this team has two very powerful power plays to throw at you. Mm-hmm. So teams coming in here have to be saying, we can't go in the box. I mean, they have too many weapons coming over the board. So I think the refs will do a good job. I hope it doesn't get into you know the silliness. Yeah. But if it does, I mean, when you really go back, and again, we always get excited as fans and announcers. Oh, how is that a penalty? Or why isn't that called? And you go back and watch the video, you're like, oh, he was right. You know, would we? I would say 90% of the time, maybe 95, the ref is correct in what he called. Now, also, on the missed calls, imagine seeing that at a game speed, full out, 10 guys flying around, and four referees on the ice. Not going to see everything. Nope. And that is always going to be part of the game. Always something that we have to be okay with. That's human nature. That's mistakes. And that's professional sports. Every professional sport. Well, when we get Rod Brandemore back on the pro- on the podcast here, he will give us his solution to all of this. He says he wants to do this. Like, every week he wants to give us something to make the game better. So, I mean, he's got a coach. I, I don't want to. He told me one time what he that. thought. I mean, less guys on the ice. Yeah. Oh, he's <laughs> he's gone over that with us. You take Not less official, players, less officials. Yeah, you take one official off the ice, you put them. Right there in the you could put the him in the press tables. Box. You could put him wherever, but put him. You can put him near the ice where he can stop yeah. play quicker. But he said you could put the linesmen on the bench too, because they only have to watch the blue lines. <laughs> <laughs> one guy, one referee on the ice. I mean, I don't disagree with them. Well, the way that the game's played now, yeah, with the speed and the size of these guys. That's there. You go, fans. If you're at home watching uh, the. Best broadcast on Bally Sports. Oh, thank you. And Mike Maniscalco making an and unreal call. And Shane Willis as well. We'll be there pre and post with Labar down and Tripper. And you'll be there in the game as well. In the corner with our masks on. Let's see if watch, we can work getting in between the benches. Watch how many time. times a puck or a player runs into a referee. Oh, yeah. Take counts and let us know. You want an over under on it? Oh, well, maybe. I'll say five. Okay. I'm, You're going to go way more? I'm going to go over. Okay. I was going to go over under on 10. Ooh, really? Like, I mean a puck or a player. All right. I'll set eight. it at... Say eight. Uh, I'll set it at nine and a half. Oh. That means it has to be 10 for the over. I think it'll be, I think it'll be between uh, that number eight that you just threw out. Yeah. I think that's... I like that's that. Legit. I'm going to take the under now then. You're All right. right. Okay. Well, it's we're not, uh, we're not putting the whole Vegas line on there. Yeah. Or even the Golden Knights line on there. Whoa. Oh, wait a minute. No, I actually have uh, figured this out. I can. Uh, we've got some sound effects that some fans did and did not like. And so if you, you tell a really bad joke, we just have the, the rim shot. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, now you know that it's there. That's good. You're welcome. Thank you. There you have it. 
Uh, speaking of... If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what I have for you. The, the Carolina Hurricanes score the first goal of the game in the home opener and will send the PNC Arena crowd home with a raucous victory. I'm going to take it. Although my history um, knowledge is not great, I believe in the past couple years, did we score first last year? I can look that up for you if you give me but a moment. I don't think we did, so I'm going to say we will score first against the New York Islanders. All right. I like that. Give me, uh, I'm gonna give me take one it. second. So uh, along those lines, if I don't know why it matters so much because of what you said earlier, Shane. Like no, no lead is uncatchable now in the NHL. Like, you know, you hear the, the dreaded three-goal lead, but – there is some ridiculous stat. Like the team that scores first wins the game 75% of the time in the NHL, which that that's counterintuitive to you're never out of a game, but if you score first, you're probably going to win it. That does discredit everything I just talked about. <laughs> no, but it's but you are right because we've it seen is. we've seen teams build a 3-nothing lead and then get beat. So I mean, I guess if you score first, you just don't need to score 3 in a row. Yeah, it's, I think the first goal, again, I don't think the first goal matters. It's that, it's that fine line of, like, how much game is left, right? And which team are you playing? Can they open it up? And, again, special teams, to me, comes into play so often um, with making a comeback and just momentum, how a home ice crowd can help. I mean, Tampa, I think, could have got something really going if they wouldn't have pulled the goalie so early the second time like it worked the first time six minutes in they scored but they were a little early on the next one uh we need to uh, get our memories checked out the canes did score the first goal i knew it because they shut out the detroit red wings in oh. game one last year what was the score three nothing nino niederreiter had the first goal of the season andre svechnikov also had a goal just pointing that out well, i still think we're going to score first I'm with you. We will. Well, that's why I put it out there. And then, yeah, I'm taking it. And a win. So Taking it. Uh, just so we're clear, the Carolina Hurricanes won the season opener last year. They won the season opener in 2019, a uh, 4-3 shootout win over the Les Habitants du Montréal. And uh, for Rod Brindamore, his very first NHL game was an overtime loss to the New York Islanders. Oh, that was in 2018. Revenge game. Come back. Here we go. It's all good. Uh, we've got questions, Shane. But oh, Twitter uh, you, questions. Yes, but you brought up something. You saw a very good head coach. In fact, a head coach you played for at one point in time in yeah. your career who's now in the studio on ESPN breaking down the game, John Tortorella. He had a comment about the Carolina Hurricanes coach that you think it's going to raise some eyebrows? Or do you think it's uh, just a flat-out truth? I think it's a flat-out truth, and I think people over these past couple of years have realized this, but John Tortorella did state that Rod Brindamore is the best motivating coach in the National Hockey League. He gets players of any ability to play at another level, and he said that is so important to be a great coach, and that is why Rod Brindamore is a great coach, because everybody will go when he asks them to go. And, I mean, it's huge. I mean, he finished things off by when they got to the prediction saying that is why he is taking the Canes to win Lord Stanley Cup from John Tortorella. I just ask, where's the lie in anything that he said? He was a great coach. Now he's a great analyst. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Making those predictions. But, again, there's nothing he said that I think anyone can poke holes in. Although it is going to be – for me, just to get to an 82-game season again and everything that's in this one, you're going to have an all-star break, and you're also going to have an Olympic break. And there's there's just so many hurdles this year that it seems like, I mean, there always is, Shane, you know. But this year there just seems to be a lot where you have to have a coach that knows how to push the right buttons. And the one thing that, that he is great about, and, of course, down in the locker room, this is... This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room. Bill Berniston, as we just heard from, and, of course, Doug Bennett, the head athletic trainer. And you've said this several times already, as you're part of Canes cast, that Rod listens to his strength and conditioning coach and his head trainer as to, hey, can we practice today? Maybe today's not a good day to practice. 
But when you have a coach who knows when to push and when to pull back and, and when to listen to his players, that makes, especially in a season like this, I think that's going to make all of the difference in the world. It's such a great point because Rod Brindamore is is a great coach. He does everything right. Even though he doesn't believe that coaching is that important. Right. And But he also listens, right? Yep. What makes a great leader is they listen to their team, what they need. He has to be able to read that. And, and again, he's such a great person and why he surrounds himself with great people in that locker room. And that's why there's success. And you mentioned all the things that now come into play. 82-game schedule, Olympic break, traveling to every city again on a regular schedule, not back-to-backs and staying there for four days, in and out of cities. We saw it on opening night. We are making the turn, ladies and gentlemen, and we are starting to see so much improvement in COVID. Opening night, Seattle Kraken, five players on the COVID protocol list, unable to play. Yep. We will see all of this throughout the league this year. It, it, you hope it won't happen, but I think you're right. I mean, there are going to be players, hopefully not with the Canes, as we know they're vaccinated, but we also know there's variants and other things out there. Not going to be a doctor on this thing. No. Not going down that road. But we know that there's going to be games where there is that concern of the availability for a player. And let's go back to the positive part of the guys that we just sent to Chicago. It's okay. The depth is there. You have some talent that if you need something, those players have proven that they are ready to go. All right. So we have questions that people are ready to uh, get us answered. Wondering about. Uh, This one from Micah, and it's a take it or leave it. Oh. Uh, Will we stop by the tailgate on Thursday? The answer to that would be we'd love to, but we just talked about protocols, and protocols are going to really, again, while Shane will be out on the concourse, I'll be up in the, the press box. Uh, the the league and the organizations really still want us to be as careful as we possibly can be. So we appreciate it. We'll be there in spirit. Yes. Very thankful for the invite. We're going to have to send it back. Yes. Although we'd love to be over enjoying, I don't know, maybe some buffalo chicken dip. And a, uh, and a storm brew. And a storm brew. Obviously, we will be, I'll be on the plaza outdoor that's right you'll be show. outdoors so. we'll be surrounded by bike rats we could move the tailgate over behind us we do need some high energy folks yes uh to be the backdrop for abby and myself some great guests coming on the show so there's some heavy heavy hitters coming on the bally pregame show thursday night yeah that you can see on canes on bally and on bally sports south so, yeah, we will, uh, I guess we'll, we'll kind of take it and send a little bit of it back. Uh, maybe a, uh, maybe a just another time. Yeah, sure. He does have a follow-up, though. Ian Cole will lead the Canes in block shots. Oh, I'm taking it. That's a take. I mean, I've been talking about Ian Cole. I'm not going to lie to you. You can ask all my coworkers downstairs for two years. The last two years. I also select Ian Cole on my fantasy team for one reason. Because that man sacrifices everything. Now, let's go beyond the By the way, shot. you had a very good draft Thank in you. our fantasy hockey Thank league. Thank you. you. You, Every player, I'm like, all right, I'm going to get this guy. Does Don listen to this? I don't think so. <laughs> well, he might. Didn't want an assistant, I guess. I, I think he, maybe I, he does. I, I draft well. Um, I mean, he'll he'll say he doesn't, yeah. but he'll probably tell you he does. Yeah, he'll come into my office next well, week. I mean, he, he listens for you. He's not <laughs> listening for me, that's for sure. Um, but yes... He will lead the team in block shots. Although Brett Pesci and Jacob Slavin also outstanding yep. blockers. Brady Shea is not afraid to get in front of those things. That's Ian Cole's domain. Now, the other part, if you've watched a little bit of preseason action, and you unfortunately don't get to see a lot of practice, I want you to also key on one thing for Ian Cole, his first pass. Yep. What makes a great defense is when you can come around your end, get to a position that opens a lane up, and when he fires the biscuit, it's on the tape. And that's all a Ford wants. Hit me in stride so this isn't bouncing off the boards, off my foot, off the heel of my stick. It is on the tape, and our forwards are rolling. And that is a big, big need for the Hurricanes. And Ian Cole does both of those things very well. I mean, we saw that, though, the uh, the other night against Nashville. Like Ian Cole goes cross ice and just puts one flat on the tape. And that, to me, that's... 
when you talk about you know, what, what's a, a goaltender going to come up with and you get these plays, he put it right on uh, on on the the skate uh, the stick blade of, of Jesper Faust, and Faust mm-hmm. comes down and just buries it. Yeah, and Ethan Bear's got a really good first pass out of the zone mm-hmm. too. Sneaky as these stretch passes become a pretty big play with the center ice line out of the game. Man, now the Canes don't the Canes don't cheat like other teams, and when I say cheat, meaning fly the zone the second that their nope. defensemen uh, touch the puck or they're near the puck. It's it's a good gamble if you do it. It's a great play if you can if your defenseman gets to the puck. But as soon as the Canes forwards recognize that the D's got possession of the puck, they turn and go. Turn and burn, as they like to say. And, and they're almost they're not even looking for the breakaway pass. They're looking for if they just got to chip it into their forecheck, that's yep. what they're doing. So good uh, good questions there. Uh, we do have a uh, another one. Another uh, take it? Oh, we got a bunch of them. Like, oh, yeah. People send us a bunch of these things. They like it. Uh, just had it, and then I had to move it down. Here it is. Freddie and Auntie for the Jennings Trophy. That Ooh. is from Stuart Miller. And the Jennings Trophy goes to the combined goaltending tandem with the lowest goals against. That's mm, that is a tough question. I'm trying to think of other goalie tandems around the league right now. The Islanders might be that team, although Varlamov is is on IR right now. I mean, a team that's gonna. I mean, they're not gonna surprise me, but some people would be like, "Wow, what are they doing?" If Bobrovsky can go and gets back on track, Spencer Knight is the real deal. Yeah. There's another combo. You know, does Campbell and Mrazic get going in Toronto? Maybe. But the way that Toronto plays, the Toronto Toronto plays going, we're cool winning 6-5. Yeah. That's, that's, that's just make the save that lets us win the game true. 6-5. So, yeah, go on. And that's that's nothing against Peter, who we loved here, yeah. and, and the great story that's turning into to Jack Campbell. I mean, I'll say yeah. I'm going to say yeah just because. Dallas has 18 goalies. Maybe they get it done. Yeah, that's cheating. I mean, I, I'm going to say yes because I love bringing these two guys to the table. I know it's one thing that, that news and, you know, the media has looked at, oh, you know, Frederick Anderson and Auntie Ronta, is this the right move? I mean, I like it. So I'm going to say yes. I'm going to take it. And, uh, you know, when they win the Jennings, the, the boys and us will go for dinner. There you go. And have a couple of Storm Brews. I will... I'll send it back. It's such a tough division. But they'll be they'll be in the conversation. Like they'll yeah. they'll be in the top five. Top five. So I'm gonna take it. Yeah. It's if I'm Captain Positive. If I didn't think that Barry Trotz was going to uh play the way if I didn't think that Barry Trotz was going to say this is how we play, um maybe I would I would lean, but maybe I can hedge my bet and say that the Jennings trophy winner is in the Metro division. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, there you go. Good question. Uh, there's also a like it, take it, but it's in a five-part question from Ross, who always wow. does this. And Ross. I've told him that we're just going to start eliminating questions off of what he asks. So um, we'll do the like it, take it portion and then get to two of the four that he had. Uh, 20, 82, and 86 help Team Finland win the gold medal. No. So you're sending so, that I mean, back. that's it. I mean, it's not even close. So Get out of here, Ross. That's from Canadian... <laughs> Shane Willis. Come on, Ross. This is from, Sending it back. Next question. From American Mike Maniscalco. <laughs> Sending it back, Ross. The Finns will be in the medal count. They might even be playing for the gold medal against the Stars and Stripes. But Sending it back. <laughs> they'll be they'll be in the conversation. Yeah. Nope. All right. So let's uh, get to the, the rest of Ross's uh, question. Shane, how many different things do you do for the Canes in a given week? Closer to 146 or 234? I'm uh, taking the over on that. <laughs> I appreciate that, Ross. Uh, I love my role. I tell everyone, there's a name bar outside my office, Shane Willis. I'm just going to change it to the yes man. Because <laughs> a lot of different people in our offices love to walk in and say, Shane, will you do this for me? And I say yes. You know, I love the Carolina Hurricanes. I love what they do, not only in this building, but in the community, and it's a huge part of not only our brand, but the people that make this arena successful. So I'll probably take the over, Ross. Wow. You're also quoting a Jim Carrey movie, also another Canadian. Uh, for me, it's a meal with one of your favorite music artists. Who is it and why? I'm going to go with oh, a, a meal, not a meal. No, not a meal. <laughs> not a meal. Hartman, our good friend. 
Um, so, <laughs> friend um, of the, friend of Kane's cast and excellent golfer. No, this is for me. He wants to know. Oh man! Like I mean, I could go like do a leaper right now or Ariana Grande. Yeah, like what's trending? Like I could I could go down that. I could go Blake Shelton. Tragically hip. Oh wow! Oh, I might have hit it right there. Did I tell you that I uh, I actually was in a restaurant with the hip? It was on my birthday in Edmonton. Did you get an autograph? No, because they were... You was, respected them? It was on the last mm. tour. Yeah. And yes, we respected the... We respected their privacy, but I did walk by, and like they knew people were walking by, and yeah. like the waiter actually did tell the hip. Now, I don't know if the waiter is making me feel better <laughs> about this story or not, but uh, I go, I'm not lying. It is my birthday today, and my wife's like, yes, show him the license. So, And the guy's like, because Canadians believe me yeah. at face value anyway. Yes. And, but I'm like, no, it really is. He goes, yeah, no, we have it written down here in the reservation. It is. And uh, he goes, I'll go over and see what they say. And I'm like, okay. Could you imagine if the hip would have saying happy birthday? Oh, too? my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and if there are people listening who don't know what a tragically hip is, you need to go now and start listening. And pick it up with either up to here or road apples and then go all the way through. Yeah. Uh, that being said, he comes over. He goes, um, they... Uh, they all wish you a happy birthday. <laughs> and I went, what? He goes, no, they literally said, please tell him happy birthday. But, you know, we're, we're yeah. doing our thing. And that's still, still solid. Still a good story. Um, right now I'm going to go with, because he's taking photos everywhere, Mick Jagger, just because of the stories. Oh, yeah, I was in Charlotte when Mick was there. Were, no, you, at the, were you at the... Uh, no, I didn't oh, know. Man. I didn't know. Look at that story. So, you know, just like I'd want, I'd want to, to hang out with somebody where the stories would be great. I mean, can, yeah. I mean, Mick Jagger would have stories forever. It's true. So let's go with Jagger for right now. Okay. So that respect to the chance to change. And yes, technically, I had a meal with the tragically. <laughs> you did. You were in the building. I was in the building. It's true. All right. This from uh, Yesperi Kotkanefishi. Okay. Okay. Um, I see what they did there. Staying along the themes of if we could hang out with people. If you two could golf with any celebrity, who would it be? Mm. Oh, celebrity. Since there's only two of us, so we get to pick two. You pick one, I'll pick one? Yeah. Okay. I would regret this, but I would enjoy the pressure because I know he'd want to lay it on the line. Michael Jordan. Oh, man. I mean, because of how I much... Even, I don't even have... No, I'm not even allowed to be on the same golf course if he's out there. Yeah, putting, you're you're definitely not betting I'm against not Jordan. Bet, no, no. But I think just that that high level that would be like an intense golf game. Although I would talk so much garbage to him. Well, according to the shows, he doesn't care. No, I know he, he would doesn't. bring it back exactly, and that's fine because here's the story. Either way, I trash talk Jordan and beat him in a hole. Or I just got trash talked by the greatest to ever do it. Yeah. Just putting that out. So that's up there. And we need one more to finish out the foursome. <sighs> do we, like, do we mean, want a good golfer? Because I'm not a good golfer. Do we want a good golfer? It's just like any celebrity. I mean, what if we put Jordan and Gretzky? <sighs> Jordan, Gretzky, Maniscalco, and Willis to the first tee, please. Oh, oh yeah. I'm in. All right. That's it. Done. Good. Cool. I'm in. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. That would be a good day. That's good. That's a good day. I'm yeah. in. Uh, this one, let's stay north of the border from Doug. How many Canadian teams will make the playoffs this year? You're not going to like the number I'm going to say. Well, since we lost the Canadian division, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go. There's going to be a drastic reduction. Actually, believe it or not, because of that, I am going to reduce my Canadian intake into the postseason. I will say three. Oh, that's mine. Yeah, oh, three. Yeah. Toronto. Yep. Winnipeg. Yep. And then Edmonton. That's what I have. Yeah, those are my three. Great minds think alike. I, I you want know, Montreal. No, no. Oh, I don't know. Especially with Carey Price and Shea Weber out yeah. for a long time. You know, Weber's out for the season on long term. Yeah, IR. And we wish nothing but the best to Carey Price yeah. and his recovery. And, and good on him for knowing that uh, he had something that he could use to help him out through this time with the Players Association uh, to check into their program, and we wish nothing but the the best and a uh, speedy recovery for one of the best to 
uh, play the goaltender position ever, not just right now. Um, so, yeah, there's, I think there's just too much for Montreal to, to try to overcome. In that division, too. You still Vancouver, have, that division. See, Vancouver and Calgary are the – I kept looking back and forth. If we're going to talk real Canadian hockey, the Pacific Division isn't that good. No. So I wouldn't be shocked if Vancouver or Calgary make it. But, I mean, I don't know. Vancouver's got some high power. I do like the trade they made with Arizona. Um, I like their goaltender. So – Pedersen can get it going, and the offense can and if, roll in and Vancouver. If Hughes can roll the, their power play, sure. And one advantage that Vancouver has, I don't know why, or it is a tough building to play in. Now, remember this. When teams are going from east all the way west, that's a long trip. Yep. A lot of times, teams are ending their long road trips in Vancouver. Yep. So those are all advantages, but it's just a place they play so well at home. If it goes to four, I think it's the Canucks, not the Flames. I think the Flames are in turmoil. Uh, I, I, I'll agree with you. Look at that. Well, Let's go. Good, good question, Doug. Uh, Andrew Clark asking Hart, Norris, and Vesna picks. I want to break this up for us for the the Canes cast. Let's do who we think is going to win them full National Hockey League, and for the Canes, uh, for the Canes, the Norris and Vesna. I. I don't want to say is a very narrow net to cast, but I think that uh, Auntie Ronta can get hot, and he's going to play a key role for the Carolina Hurricanes, but it would be of the two, if I had to pick, I'd say it would be Freddie Anderson uh, for the Norris Trophy for just the Canes. Uh, let's go with the guy who has received votes, and that would be Jacob Slavin. We'll keep that right there. I'm going to keep it. I concur with you and those two choices. So the Hart Trophy, this is where it gets interesting for me. Mm. For me, it's two choices. It's Sebastian Ajo or Andrei Svechnikov. That's tough. That's real tough. I would take I would take Sebastian Ajo, and because I love Andrei Svechnikov, and I think he is going to erupt this season, I'd throw him in the mix for the Maurice Richard. That'd be a good one to put in there. Mm. Most goals. Mm-hmm. Somebody... Drafted him before I could in a fantasy hockey league we're in together. Yes, I did. Uh, for entertainment purposes only, too. <laughs> that's why we're in that league. Uh, so, all right. We're there. All right. Let's go full league. Full Heart, league. Hart Trophy. Connor McDavid. Connor McDavid. All I mean, unless his buddy snipes him out, but I don't know how he can because McDavid's going to pass it to Dreisel every time. I mean, he's, he's at another level. Um, and I was talking to Hurricane great Sean Hill the other day. And Sean was talking about a conversation he had with Gary Roberts. And Gary Roberts has gone on to be arguably one of the best, if not the best, uh, trainers in the offseason for the NHL players to go see just outside and in Toronto to skate, to train, um, to get their bodies ready. And Sean was talking about it. He's like, well, who's the best? And he goes, the same guy that's the best on the ice. He said Connor McDavid blows away players off the ice as much as he does on the ice. So it's an easy pick to me right now at the state of this game and the way he goes and his health is Connor McDavid. You want a dark horse pick from me? Sure. If the Florida Panthers win the, if they win the Atlantic, I'm going to go with Alexander Barkov. That is, they have, they have to win the division. They have to, they have to be like 105, 107 point team. Yeah. And I'm telling you, if you enjoy doing things just for fun, I mean, the Florida Panthers, I don't know what many people are talking about them. I don't know why well, no, they're they not. Are, no, they're they're really starting to get a lot of well, – I don't know if it's like just the last like a two low or three rumble weeks. Of like but, everyone realized the preseason just ended, but uh, – Because they have the two-time defending Stanley Cup champions, not only in their division, yeah. but in their state. Yeah. Yeah, it's market. But they're, they're strong. But – Strong. That's So Barkoff is – and I don't even want to say a dark horse. He's just uh, – a great hockey player, but I think we all know it's Connor all around. Yeah. All around player. He might, he might win the Selkie. True. Which I think that's what that trophy should turn into. You know, they say best defensive forward, which for me, I'm tired of yelling at people and telling everybody that's why it should be the Jordan Stahl award. Yeah. Uh, he could win it every year, but it's, it's the Patrice Bergeron award too. You know, Bergie's the but, same way. Like you said, Barkov fits right in on the bill with, you know, 
an offensive upside that and a shot that yeah. is strong. All right, Norris, best defenseman in the league this year. There's a bunch of bunch yeah, of that's, that's probably the most wide open category out there. Bunch of players we could turn to. Do you go straight points? How are you looking at this? No, I like I like the all round. Yes, I love points, but I think the guy has to be a big minute guy, key yep. contributor. And I'm going to go in a direction where people might again a dark horse team. I'm going to go with a guy with a new scenery, Seth Jones. Really? Yeah. I, I, color me surprised with that one. Yeah, I just think this young man has a high, high level of talent. He's got goaltending behind him and Mark Andre Fleury. I just don't know what kind of team Chicago is going to have. They they could be very good. I like that's a team. Jonathan Taves is coming back. Yeah. Patrick Kane, American by the way, uh, is healthy. Kirby Doc, uh, healthy Kirby Doc. You've got Dominic Kubalik. I mean, this is they've got. They went out and made plays in the off season to get better. Seth Jones being a huge portion of that. They well, landed. They landed Tyler Johnson from Tampa. Yeah. Kind of a sneaky under-the-radar move. Hard-working leader. Veteran. Won a couple cups. Yeah. I mean, and then they got a goaltender, like you just said, Marc-Andre Fleury. I mean, the only guy, another guy I would go, and I think this kid is elite. That's the reason I selected him before you did in the fantasy draft once again, is Kale McCarr. Yeah. You want to see young defensemen the around the league. Sure. If you want to watch and watch a man skate and move a puck, Kale McCarr. We don't get to see him on TV. You got to stay up late and watch some of these games on ESPN and TNT this year when Colorado is the second game because, boy, can this kid go. I'm going to go with, when you talk about elite and all around, the guy that we saw firsthand in the playoffs, guy who's won two Stanley Cups, Victor Hedman's just so good at everything he does. Never realized how big he was. He is a ma- <laughs> he is a massive human being. It's huge. He's like this is why the Vikings conquered half of the world. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, there again, we could probably name another three guys that got a shot. I mean, Roman Yossi in Nashville. You can make that case. I if, if I mean the winner last year blew me away. Adam Fox. Yeah, I didn't think that was going to happen. A lot of points. Yeah, but it's got. That's what I mean. It's got to be more than that. I know. I mean, Rangers didn't even make the playoffs. Look. I, the guy who did play here in Carolina, who's now in the metro area, Dougie Hamilton's going to be in the mix because he's going to put up a lot of points. Yeah, but they just don't count the minus, plus minus category. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see what happens because if Jersey, if Jersey becomes a playoff team, like th- those are things that also come into play with this. Shane, that are you on a team that wins? I think it should, but yeah. I don't think it does. I understand. Obviously, that. it doesn't. Adam Fox won. They missed the playoffs. Yeah, but. There's there's so many good young defensemen. I mean, Quinn Hughes in Vancouver is in that Adam Fox category. You know, he could put up 60, 70 points this year in Vancouver. So, all right, Vesna, where are we going to go, goaltenders? I mean, you just mentioned the guy in Tampa. Can you turn away from Vasilevsky? No. Even though even though he was not his sharpest last night, he's going to play, what, 65 games? He just wants to keep playing. Uh, I, I would be shocked... If it's not him, I've got a dark horse in this category. I think UC Soros might throw his hat in the ring because all Nashville does is find finished goaltenders who are good at stopping pucks. So that's yeah. a name. That's a name to put out there. Yeah, Just, I mean, the, I mean, I got to stick with Vasilevsky again. A guy who, in front of him, if he gets rolling, and we talked about this team and and Bobrovsky. Does he find his old form? Does he find his old blue jacket form? See that I don't know. I because I could see Spencer Knight being the goaltender for Florida. Right. Well, that's if if Bobrovsky I think is going to start. If he gets cold, he's done. So, um, and then there's some new new face, you know, old faces in new places like Darcy Kemper in Colorado. If, if Colorado he's going to get the run good. support there. Well, he yeah, he'll get the run support. <laughs> the question is is. Uh, you know, what's his ERA going to be at the end of it? All right, moving on. Good question, Andrew Clark. Thank you very much. Uh, Roberto asks, our goalie situation, of course. I'm I'm confident to handle this. The Canes have two of them. One's named Frederick Anderson. The other one's named Nanti Ranta. I believe I've answered the goaltender situation question. It's not a problem. If you've been watching the Carolina Hurricanes for the past couple of years, the coaches believe in this. 
And I think if you went around the league, many of the coaches believe that you have to have a one-two punch. It's not a one-two. It's a one-one-B. Yeah. And it, it, I believe in it. I just think the workload, the travel, the pressure on a goaltender. Remember, players are jumping off the ice, getting a rest. You know, a high-end player, Jacob Slavin's playing 22, 24 minutes a game, 21. A goalie doesn't get off the ice. He plays 60, if not more, and is taxed. So I love both guys going, and that's why I love both these players because they both can go. They both can win hockey games, and I believe I agree with you, Mike, that they will do that, both of these guys. Yeah. I I think that the goaltending situation is fine for the Carolina Hurricanes. I, I, I get that it's new and people are – well, why did the Canes do this considering what they did last year? Well, again, this is a move not just for the regular season, but it's a move for beyond that for the Carolina Hurricanes. It is it is fine. I'm, I'm fine with this. This from Eric. Are you surprised to see Seth Jarvis make the final cut? And do you see them slotting in a certain spot in this lineup? In this case, see him, I should say. Because he did, Eric uh, sent this earlier, and uh, it was when Jack Drury was still on the list before he was sent to Chicago. Don't worry, I think we're going to see Jack Drury make an NHL debut this year. He's shown that he is ready for the part. But uh, are you surprised that Seth Jarvis made the the opening night roster? I'm, I'm not really because of the way he played, the camp that he had, and the only option for the Hurricanes right now is if he's not here is to send him to Portland in the WHL in junior. So completely agree with you, Mike. Not surprised one bit. For a couple of different reasons. Number one, Seth Jarvis has the talent to be a National Hockey League player. Does he have some maturing physically and gameplay to do? Yes. But number one, he has the ability to play at this level. We heard the head coach talk about it. You know, looks like he's going to stick around. He deserves it. When a head coach says someone deserves it, it's not a gift. They're not keeping him here because he's a first-round draft pick. He deserves it. And when it comes from a guy like Rod Brindamore, he should take that and run with it. He said he's been focused. He's been paying attention in the meetings. He's been sharp, attention to detail on the ice, in practice, and working hard off the ice with Bill Berniston. That is what young players must do when they go to training camp to prove they should stay. And he deserves it. Now, will he be here past nine games? We don't know. You know, will he be in opening night from what we're hearing probably not but being around here being around this team these players these leaders will help him continue in that maturing factor yep so he deserves it not surprised one bit no neither am i a uh, cool moment from uh, the past week safety for the carolina panthers jeremy chin rolling into work wearing a rod brindamore jersey and then uh, auctioning it off for the Carolina Hurricanes Foundation, which is super cool, and pointing out all of the great work that Rod Brindamore, by the way, does behind the scenes for charities and raising money for great causes everywhere. So uh, that's an awesome moment. And we end the question portion of the program, Shane, with not a question, but from uh, T.H. Izzo. I think we know uh, this this person responding to, hey, you got anything to say? Not a question. Hey. Just wanted to say how much I'm looking forward to seeing both of you and Abby and Tripp taking us through another great season of Canes hockey. You all do a great job. Well, I can't wait to see that smile. I know. At opening night because not only does that family make us smile, but 18,000 of the greatest fans in the National Hockey League walking into PNC Arena. The weather is perfect. The State Fair is rolling into town. So not only will we get to see the Canes and this building rocking. We could all celebrate with a little fried dough the next day. There you go. A little, a little candy apple. A little elephant ear. Elephant ear for you. Huh? Some deep fried bacon. <laughs> Anything you need. A little lemonade. Wash it's it down. All right there for you. <laughs> Whatever you want. Deep fried Oreos like they're Tic Tacs. Exactly. <laughs> and if you haven't seen it, go back and watch Shane Willis at the State Fair on YouTube. It's classic. <laughs> I uh, I have a state fair experience as well that is on YouTube from my radio days. To this day, what people will do for NASCAR tickets, 
is not shocking anymore. That's probably gone down a little bit over the years, though. Uh, at the time, it was peak. <laughs> it was peak. Uh, and uh, it is peak hockey season because it's here. No more practice. No more of this training camp nonsense. Even though it's very important, as you know. It's important. They got to learn. I know. I mean, the guys just want to play exactly. as much as anybody. This is, is this outside of making the playoffs, winning the Stanley Cup, is this little time zone that you're in as a player the best time? Because you're like, when I wake up tomorrow, it's a game that means These something. last four days were brutal. Exactly. I mean, the last four days of training camp, when you don't even have a game, like it gets to the point of you're like, I just want to play an exhibition game because I don't want to practice and skate anymore. Like, you know you can get away from riding the bike and, oh, I'm not in the game group tonight. Now i got to skate hard. You I mean, you know you're going to get just worked in practice. When you come in, there's the game list. There's the this is going to hurt a little bit list. <laughs> and you hope you're not on that list. And I know Bill Bernison listens. You know you make it hurt sometimes, Billy. You, you push the limits, although we respect it. The guys love it. Don't want to be on the hurt list. That's the worst. Just play. Let's just play. The game is way easier. Way easier than going in that skate group. This is Bill Berniston coming to you live from the Canes locker room. There's Bill's <laughs> input on all of that. I think that's a perfect place to leave this because we've got hockey, my friend. It's time to go home. we got to uh, get to sleep. Exactly. Although it is, like you said, it's Christmas. It's not sleeping. Make sure you get your pregame meals in. Always enjoy Olive Garden, Macaroni Grill, high-octane <laughs> carbs. A little different now. <laughs> Yeah, I stick gotta with get your, get your. Uh, I'm gonna go with your kale smoothie. Kale smoothie. Make sure the suit still fits. Get a protein bar in. Get some heavy product in my hair. Much like our friend Trip Tracy, I need to get on the exercise bike as soon as this is over, until the pregame show yeah. tomorrow to fit in my suit. It's Wednesday. I'm gonna go see the guys at the barber shop. Make sure it's high and tight. Oh yeah. For you, you're looking a little shaggy. For me, this it's is all about timing. This is as good as it it's gets. It's all about timing. This is it. When so. my foot hits that riser outside for the pregame show, <laughs> look out. Bang. It's time. It's go time. I hope Abby and I don't clash. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that there will be a text chain about what everybody is wearing. It'll start in a minute. I have to decide. I don't know because, you know, traditionally I've, I've gone with a black suit and the red tie. I don't know if yeah. I'm going to continue with that. I don't know. I, I might go I with the blue. Blue's a good look. If you go blue, then that'll force my hand. It's to go gonna be eighty-four color. degrees. I'm gonna go blue and thin. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember the one day you're like, "We're out in the sunshine, and you're wearing a black suit. Not the best of choices today." Mystic. <laughs> I was gonna sweat no matter what, inside or outside. There you have it. All right, Shane, that'll do it for us. See you, everybody. We have hockey to talk about, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you.